Good. Uh, just that. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, good to see you all. Welcome. If you're visiting us today, it's really lovely to have you with us. My name's Adrian. I'm the full-time elder here at the church, and uh, it's my joy to be preaching uh, today from Psalm 14. Uh, over the summer, we're doing that. We're, we're spending some time in the Psalms, uh, different Psalms each week, obviously, uh, partly because it's quite difficult to follow a series over the summer with lots of people away at different times. It's quite hard if you're going sequentially, you sort of miss quite large chunks sometimes. But also just because biblical poetry is brilliant. It's so good. It's so encouraging uh, to look at, to consider what it has to say to us, how it helps us express our hearts uh, in all sorts of important ways. Uh, so that's why we're turning to the Psalms over the summer. Uh, and please do open up Psalm 14 if you haven't got it already in front of you. Um, so you can read along, you can uh, see what's, what's said there uh, again. Please do. Have a look at that. The question up there, that's what I'm starting with. Are you a fool? Are you a fool? It's quite a rude way to start a sermon, isn't it? Maybe that's what you're thinking when you see that. How dare you ask such a question? Well, hear me out, because it's it's a really important question related to this psalm. Can anyone tell me what a fool is? Anyone got any ideas? How would you explain what a fool is? Someone who does think stupid things? Yeah, okay, interesting. Anyone else got any ideas? Court jester. <laughs> someone who rejects facts. Interesting. Well, this is the Cambridge English Dictionary definition for you. A person who behaves in a silly way without thinking. A person who behaves in a silly way without thinking. Actually, Lucy gave a, a good example of that, didn't she? <laughs> in the se- section earlier um, uh, of someone maybe not thinking as they should. We can do that, can't we? We can be foolish. Like, I don't know, if you went and jumped into puddles on your way somewhere, on your way to work, on your way to school, and you just want to go and jump and splash, and then you realise you've got soaking wet feet for the whole school day, the whole work day. Surely you want to do it on the way home, right? That's the, that's the best time to do it. Or what about eating too many biscuits after church and then getting home and realising you can't actually eat your tea uh, or or what you're supposed to or maybe what's good for you? That's quite foolish. Of course, there's a lot more serious things that that fools can do. Maybe stealing things when no one's watching. Maybe getting into trouble at work, getting into trouble at school because you're not doing what you're told. And actually, this psalm tells us Uh, that fools do something incredibly dangerous and serious. Look at verse 1 again with me. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt, their deeds are vile, there is no one who does good. Do you see? Only fools reject God. Only fools reject God. That's my first heading. Now remember what a fool is. A person who behaves in a silly way without thinking. It's really silly, isn't it, to decide that God isn't real. Maybe, maybe it's more than just silly. Maybe it's, it's an incredibly serious decision to make. To say there is no God. The Bible is very clear, actually, that people should know better. They should think better than that. Romans 1 verse 20 says this. Since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. So that men are without excuse. See what that verse says. That verse is saying, look, since creation of the world, 
You can look at creation and see something of who God is, of his power and his, uh, uh, what he is like. The beauty of a sunset, the, 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 the marvelling, sorry, the marvellous spectacle of the Grand Canyon there. We see these things. The Bible says we are without excuse to say that God does not exist. But that's what fools do. Do you see that? Instead of thinking about these things, they just decide he doesn't exist. He doesn't care what, about what they do or he's not even there. Instead of loving God, they're corrupt. They do vile deeds. Now, if you're corrupt, it means you can't be trusted. It means you're not honest. It means you're not reliable. And if you do vile things, that's like horrible, disgusting things. Like hating others, cheating, lying, not doing anything good. I'm trying to explain it using this illustration here. Anyone tell me what this is? It's a compass. That's right. What do you use a compass for? Where, do, where does the, the compass normally point, the red uh, the red arrow, where does it point? And so you can sort of tell where you are. It points to the north, doesn't it? It points north. So imagine in the fool's hearts, they've got a compass inside them, so like an internal compass. And instead of kind of pointing north, pointing towards God, instead of loving him and obeying him, following him, instead of doing that, they foolishly say, no, I know better. Actually, I'm going to head in this direction. I'm going to go in this direction. You go in a completely different direction. They, they don't look to God. It's really easy, isn't it, for us to say, well, what fools? How could anyone be so stupid? Surely we know better than that, don't we? Surely our heart's compasses, they're always pointing towards God. Well, see what the psalm says. Look at verse 2. See what it says. The Lord looks down from heaven on all mankind to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. Just imagine that happening. God looking down from heaven, looking down on the earth, looking for people who are trying to follow, trying to follow the compass, actually looking to God. And he looks down, he sees everyone on earth. That's about seven and a half billion people on earth. Okay? It's really hard to imagine, isn't it, that many people? I don't think our heads can get around it. Apparently, though, if we all stood next to each other, we've got everyone in the world to stand next to each other, you know, side by side, it would go all the way around the world. 160 times, okay? That maybe just gives you some idea of how many people there are in the world. Loads! Each one of us, we've got this sort of compass in our hearts that, that's pointing somewhere. And we're without excuse. Surely we should be looking to God. We know he exists because of all the wonderful things he's made. And God's here, he's looking down. Are anyone, is anyone trying to find him? Anyone going the right way? Look at verse 3. All have turned away. All have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Isn't that staggering? How many? How many? About seven and a half billion people? None. Zero. There is no one who does good. All have turned away. All are not going the right way. They're not looking to God. They're following their compass in their own direction, thinking they know better. There's no one who follows God above all else. So actually, if you thought, oh, it's really foolish not to believe in God, this psalm shows us something else. That we are all fools. We are all fools. Do you see the psalm shows us this? It keeps using these, these words for all of us. It says in verse 1, there is no one who does good. In verse 2, he looks down on all mankind. Anyone who seeks God. And then verse 3, all have turned away. 
all have become corrupt. It, it's, there's no doubt. Everyone is in the same situation. Everyone is foolish. Because left to our own devices, left to our own decisions, we are just as foolish as everyone else. We're just as bad as everyone else. It's kind of humbling, isn't it? It kind of helps us realise maybe we're not as good as we think we are. Have you ever wondered why? Why does no one seek God? We know we should. We should do what he says. He made us. He created us. That's what we should be doing. But instead, we kind of prefer to put ourselves at the centre. We make sure we just we kind of follow our own heart a different direction. We think we know better. And that's what leads us to, to sin against God, to turn away from him, not to, not to follow him. Adam and Eve in the garden, that's what they did. They were told not to eat from the tree. And they listened to this temptation and they decided actually it would be better for them to, to eat that. They put themselves in, in the place of God. They thought they knew better. And that's what we do. We do that all the time. That's why there is no one who is good. One big example for you today. Grumbling. Grumbling. Here's Philippians 2, verse 14. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. That's a challenging verse, isn't it? Do everything. God calls us to be thankful for all that he's given us. Not to moan, not to grumble at all. I don't know about you, but I think probably a lot of us, we quite like a good grumble, don't we? It's quite something in us, we find it quite satisfying. Maybe you think, maybe you've said this this week in the school holidays. I'm bored. You said that, it's only week one. You said that already, that's not a good sign. What about, I've got so much to do this week, I'm under so much pressure, I don't know what I'm going to do. Or, I've got another sore throat, and I'm always going down with something, I'm so frustrated. Or, I've got a parking ticket, I was only there for two minutes, it's not fair. What about, I never get enough sleep. I always feel like I'm tired. My car's broken down. The grass is growing too quickly. I've got to mow it again already. I hate my job. I don't have a job. What about my, my sister always seems to get more than I do. The bills have gone up again. And so on and so on and so on. We like to grumble, don't we? Why is it so easy for us to grumble? It's because of our sinful hearts. We follow our own direction. We think, I know better than God. If only, God, if only God would follow my plan, I, I, you know, the best way for me to go is this way. If only God would do everything I wanted, I wouldn't have to grumble so much. We forget, don't we, just how much God has done for us. That's just one example of our sin, of why we are foolish. But the simple truth is, we're all fools. The whole world has turned away from God, has gone in the wrong direction. And it's really serious. That, that definition from the dictionary, just behaving in a silly way, actually it's much more serious to be a fool here. There's a verse in Romans uh, 6.23 which says this, for the wages of sin is death. That means that if you sin, your reward, your payment is death. It's pretty stark, isn't it? That's what the Bible says. If, if we go our own way instead of trusting God, we deserve death. More than that, we deserve judgment. We deserve hell. No wonder the Bible calls us fools. Without God, all of us are wandering in that wrong direction. We're, we're not thinking about the consequences. It's as if we're, we're all following our own compasses, but there's just a massive cliff edge that we're walking towards, and we don't realise the danger that we're in. 
Is there any hope? Is there anything we can do? Well, there is good news in this psalm too. We do see that we can be saved. Look at verse 4 with me. Do all these evildoers know nothing? They devour my people as though eating bread. They never call on the Lord. But there they are, overwhelmed with dread, for God is present in the company of the righteous. You evildoers frustrate the plans of the poor, but the Lord is their refuge. Remember the fool's attitude, there is no God. God isn't watching, God doesn't care what I do. I can live how I want, that's that's their attitude. And then we get this question from King David, from God's king, saying, when are they going to learn? Well, they never learn. They might be cocky right now, but they're going to be filled with fear when they meet God. We see that in verse 5. Why? Because God does exist. He is watching. He is with his people. You see what it says in verse 6? He is their refuge. Fortunately, we didn't need a refuge today at the picnic. Uh, we were all watching the weather forecast and expecting you know, downpours. And we might have all had to run inside and get, seek refuge fr- from the storm. It was great. It was a lovely afternoon. But actually, we can find refuge with God from his judgments. You see who God is with, verse 5? God is present in the company of the righteous. Now, in the Old Testament, that was the people of the king, the people who followed God's king, the people who pointed them to God's. That's kind of what's happening in this psalm. And actually, it's very similar for us today. That verse in Romans, it goes on to say this. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's a big difference, isn't it? There is a gift that we can receive. We can be saved if we are with King Jesus. Imagine us with our compass going off in the wrong direction, going off a different way, not knowing how to find safety, but maybe realising, coming to your sense, I'm lost, I can't escape this, there's no way out. You can't find the way to God on your own. You cry out for help. You cry out, please, someone come and rescue me. And amazingly, someone does. Someone comes and picks you up and takes you to safety. That's how it works with Jesus, with the cross. We realise that we are fools, that we haven't been following God, that we've been turned away from him, that we are sinful, that we need rescue. And we cry out to God for help. We say sorry to God. Sorry for how we've gone the wrong way so, so much. Asking to be saved from our lostness. Asking for forgiveness. And if we do that, there's a gift. A gift of eternal life. A gift of forgiveness in Christ Jesus. Isn't that amazing? If we ask for forgiveness, if we turn to Jesus, we are forgiven. He took the punishment for our sin on the cross. And that means we can find this place of refuge. A place of safety. If we're in Jesus, God doesn't see our sin. It's covered by Jesus' perfection. Jesus brings us to God, keeps us safe and secure. He is our refuge. It's not to say we've done anything to deserve it because we haven't. We've just realised how foolish we had been. Realised our lostness, cried out to say sorry. And then we live trusting him. Because we will go wrong again. We will continue to struggle with sin, we will be tempted to go off in an op- a different direction, to, to take our mind and our hearts away from God. When that happens, we are still know we are forgiven. We still know we're saved by Jesus because 
when he, he died, he died to save us completely. And actually it's like we're given the heart of Jesus who always sought after God, always loved and obeyed his Father. So that's the message of this psalm. We are all fools, but we can be saved in Jesus. He is our only hope. So as I finish that question again, are you a fool? Have you realised your need for Jesus? Maybe you've never seen it, never admitted it before today, that you are sinful, that you need saving. Maybe God is just giving you a little prod, giving you a poke right now in your heart, realising, convicting you that you need help. And you can turn to him, you can put your trust in him and be saved. If you've got questions, come and, talk, come and find me afterwards, come and ask me, I'd love to share more. But if, you, if the rest of us, if we are following Jesus, what does it mean for us? We're still fools, aren't we? We're not better than other people. We still need Jesus to save us. We can't do anything ourselves. But because we are in Jesus, because we're safe and secure, because of what he's done for us, that gives us hope, that gives us security, that gives us refuge, because we know that nothing can change that. Maybe that's a challenge this summer to remember that and to act on it. I'm sure many of us will have opportunities to tell other people about the chance, the opportunity for rescue. That you were foolish, but Jesus saved you. What a staggering good news that is. What, what a message of hope to share with other people. So ask for his help to do that this summer. To show people that actually there is a way out of that foolishness. That's kind of how the psalm ends, isn't it? Verse 7. Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion. When the Lord restores his people, let Jacob rejoice and Israel be glad. David was longing for that day of salvation, the day where everyone would be saved. And that day is here because Jesus has come. Jesus is here now. And do you see what the response should be? Rejoicing, thanksgiving, being glad. Is that you today? Can you stand at the end of this sermon with gladness and joy in your heart? Because you were foolish, but Jesus saved you. He loved you enough to, to die in your place to save you completely. Are you glad today to be one of God's people? If not, then maybe you've forgotten that kind of how foolish you were. How badly you needed that rescue. Jesus is where we find our hope. Jesus is where we find that love and security. Let's ask for God's help, shall we, to remember that. To, to not be foolish, to remember the, the hope that we have and to be glad, to be joyful. Let's pray. Loving Father, we thank you for this psalm, which is challenging, reminding us that, that we are so foolish, left to our own devices, we naturally go away from you because of our sin. Please have mercy on us, Lord. And I pray for anyone here today who is not trusting you, that, that you would convict them and help them see their need for you. But Lord, for all of us, would you give us real joy, real gladness as we realise that we've been rescued from our foolishness, that you have given us life and eternal hope and an identity with your son. We are part of your family. Lord, it is staggering and it should lead us to rejoice. So please change our hearts. Help us be more glad, be more thankful today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.